Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello! Trojan fans, welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. We're going to talk some USC Trojan football as we count down just a few days left until the start of USC Fall Camp 2018 and soon after that, the 2018 season, highly anticipated. We've been talking about it for months and now it's going to finally be here. We have Coach Harvey Hyde on the line. You can follow him on Twitter at Coach Harvey Hyde or go to his website, harveyhyde.com. We also have in studio, Keely Yore. Fabulous reporter for us here at uscfootball.com. Follow her at Keely is my name. K-E-E-L-Y is my name. Well, first, Coach, how you doing? I'm doing great, buddy. I'll tell you, it's, uh, it's uh, getting close to football season, and uh, we still got a lot of energy, and we're all looking forward to camp. We're all looking forward where we look forward to media day. You know I miss media day, but we can talk about that. And uh, all the good things that are happening in life and how fortunate we are to be here and uh, be in our country and have friends and enjoy the great game of football. Yes, we love that. And then we also have Keely here in studio. I what? couldn't have said it any better myself. Football's almost here. We have friends. We live in this country. It's all good. Yeah, it's all positive. Yeah. We're trying to be, you know, USC's 0-0. There's no, you know, no <laughs> need to be like super negative yet. You know, we'll see if they yeah. start off 1-2, and two, maybe. But for right now. Are you going to be snarky, Ryan, this season? Do you I'm going to try it? to be less snarky, I think. Hold them. We'll, we'll hold you to that. Yeah. Coach, I, they think I'm a little too snarky sometimes. So, you know, I might try to back off a little bit, a little bit of the snark. Well, it depends how they play. You know, if they're playing good, uh, no big deal. Um, well, Coach, hey, before we jump into everything, I wanted to thank our sponsor. They've been with me and the coach for 10 years or so now. Southern California Tickets. You can give them a call if you need tickets for anything. 1-800-888-7287 or go to their website, SoCalTix.com. You want to bring your significant other or a friend or something to a play, a musical, a sporting event, concert, you can go to SC Tickets, SoCal Tickets, Southern California Tickets, 1-800-888-7287. They will hook you up. Uh, maybe Keely, maybe uh, Apollo can uh, go you know, take you somewhere. You like going to Angels games, right? Keely's a big I Angels I do. Fan. I do, but it's a little sad. Now we're sellers. We're selling everybody. So uh, hopefully we still have Mike Trout by the end of the season. Oh, that would be bad. I know. Coach, are you, are you a Dodgers or Angels fan? Which, which do you like? Or doesn't matter. Well, you know, baseball is a national sedative, but <laughs> I just, but I, but I think that, uh, since I do a show out of Angel Stadium on AM 830, Brian, you've been on it before. I've yes. got to be an Angel fan. So, uh, I think it's a, a, I think it's great that we have a choice in Southern California. I mean, really, you got the Clippers, the Lakers, you got SC, UCLA, you got, all these different choices, the Rams, the uh, uh, Chargers. I mean, what other area do you have these type of choices? I just think it's great. And, of course, I cheer for the Dodgers. Who wouldn't? And I cheer for the Angels. Who wouldn't? Uh, probably the most uh, greatest event could be the Dodgers and the Angels in the World Series. How could it get any better than that? And FC UCLA for the national championship and all of the above. And the Chargers and Rams in the Super Bowl. So, you know, we got to cheer for all of our teams in, in the city. 
All right. Well, that's yeah. You know, as a transplant here, I've just always I kind of you know I root for the local teams. I'm not like passionate about really anyone local. So it was fun. Like in 2002 when the Angels won, like that was cool. I like that. And you know, if the Dodgers won, I'd be happy about that. It doesn't make some of the you know the locals like Keeley like that makes her you know stomach churn when you would say like you would like the Dodgers to win. But she's a big Angels fan, so it's true. I am. Yeah. I'm uh, proud of you. Maybe I'll get her an angel shirt or hat or something. Will you wear it around? Oh, without a doubt. <laughs> Will you do an interview with Dan Weber with it on? <laughs> That's debatable. Well, we, we, we can see. Nice. Well, hey, Coach. So, uh, Keely and I were both down there at Pac-12 Media Day. I know you watched a bunch of the stuff that was going on and, you know, read read the articles and saw what we posted up on uscfootball.com. Any kind of takeaways you had? from what went down at Media Day? Well, Ryan, as I said in the earlier part of this show, uh, I did not go to Media Day, and I told everybody last week I was not going to be at Media Day because it wasn't the type of Media Day that I expect the Pac-12 to have. I think it should be more big time. I called it Mickey Mouse last week. I think it should be in a setting where people look forward to going and have ample room and parking facilities, and I don't think it should favor USC or UCLA. Uh, where only uh, they never travel. I think it should be in a city like Las Vegas, where everyone wants to travel and spend two or three days and in one big building with all the facilities where they know how to put on special events. And they're also associated with the Las Vegas Bowl. And I think it would just add to the enjoyment of having uh, something in a beautiful setting. So I didn't go. I didn't want to fight the crowd and do all of that. So I went to Fresno. I thought that was a better experience. Beautiful downtown <laughs> Fresno. And uh, it was hot and humid, uh, but I did enjoy that. And I thought I'd enjoy it a little bit more. And I came back and read about it and watched your po- or listened to your podcast and interviews and got caught up to date. So from my feelings, if you're asking me to, my feelings on what was discussed by the Commissioner Larry Scott, as far as the headway of the Pac-12, uh, he absolutely emphasized the number of championships the Pac-12 win, which I think is truly great as far as an accomplishment for the Pac-12. But I think the the, the sports that get the most recognition uh, is football and basketball and draw, draw, draws in the money to support the other schools or other sports. And I think uh, it, it's uh, it, they're sort of getting the short end. It's a conference of champions, and I believe it is. But I think we got to get the football, basketball end of it back up where it should be. And I think it needs a little bit of help as far as marketing and getting it done. And shortening the, the football games is something he really emphasized. And I don't understand why he's emphasizing the short, shorting of a game. You pay a lot of money for a ticket. Uh, you want to watch your team play. You want to see the halftime performances. Uh, you want to see uh, all the things that you pay to go to. And when you shorten the game, you're obviously shorting the halftime as far as coaches being able to talk to their teams and make the necessary adjustments. We always say, oh, they didn't make the adjustments at halftime. USC never makes adjustments or whatever team it might be. Well, now you've taken away the time when you consider 15 minutes you go in, takes you three or four minutes to get off the field. They have to do what they have to do. They have to go to their trainers. They got to get rehab. They got to get some type of nutrition, as far as for uh, whatever they decide. And right now, they de- eat a lot of applesauce at halftime. In case you didn't know that, that's quick energy now for athletes. 
and then they got to go over whatever they have left as far as adjustments and go back on the field. Plus, coaches have to do interviews coming on and off the field. And if you're a fan, and we have more fans than we do players, you go to the restroom or you go to the concession stand, especially if it's a hot day and you're standing along lines, and by the time you get back into the Coliseum or the arena, it's the middle of the third quarter. So now you've cheated the fan again from going to the game. You'd rather stay home and watch it on television, but you're not going to miss anything. So I don't see any real, real progress made in shortening the football game unless you can't sell the commercials. So you have an excuse to say you're shortening the game. So my my feeling on that, I don't think that's what it should be. I think it should be it's a football media day. It's not a conference media day, and it should stick right to that. Yeah, that's uh, there's a little too much of the other stuff and, and changing the narrative of not talking about revenue and not talking about football or basketball championships. The, you know, the, the big three sports, if you're talking, I mean, you know, in the conference are going to be football, men's and women's basketball, and it's been decades since the Pac-12 has won a championship. So I think that's what a lot of the fans are focused on and not necessarily Larry Scott, obviously. Um, any thoughts on that, Keely? I mean, it was interesting because if you listen to Larry Scott on the surface, he sounded like he was saying the right thing. So when you actually pick apart what he's saying, like, oh, we're on the top of the pyramid, which pyramid? Because <laughs> that's not true. I just, I, it was kind of lackluster and then mushing two days into one. Like if you're a national reporter, how are you going to cover 12 teams in one day? Yeah. And the Pac-12 wants to have more national presence. You're not really making it easier for the people who are going to make it a national presence. So, I mean, Larry Scott was asked about moving into Las Vegas, and he kind of gave it, oh, yeah, maybe, we'll see. But I think it would be a better idea to make it more an event. But at the end of the day, does Media Days really do anything? No. I mean, but if it's helping your brand, your presence, I guess you need to do it better. But I don't know. Yeah. Well, you know, guys, my feeling is if you're going to do something, do it the best, be better than anybody else, or don't do it. And uh, I think that you've got to have that feeling in everything you do, because the Southeastern Conference brags about what they do. They have it three days. The Big Ten brags about what they do. They have a banquet, and the uh, Tournament of Roses president speaks and does this and does that. They make it a real event. And right now it's sort of like, hurry up, let's get it over. And then I hear the statement from our commissioner saying, we're right where we want to be. And I thought, we are. We are one and eight in bowl games. We're right where we want to be. And I'd say, well, that's not the way. I don't think that's where we want to be. We want to be nine and oh in bowl games. It helps us in recruiting. It helps us in everything we do. It's not just one game. He says, well, it's just one game. Yes, but it's the biggest game of the year. You're representing the entire conference. So I disagree on a lot of the philosophies, but again, I'm just a person that can express my opinion. Uh, everyone has an opinion, and that's what we do on this podcast. The um, one of the things that I've had an issue with, and I, you know, I talked to like Bruce Feldman, you know, who I, you know, he didn't have an issue with this, but Bryce Love is the the Heisman favorite from the conference, and he wasn't there. He joined by Skype for five minutes, but whatever. That I I thought if you are going to be a real conference and your best player isn't going to show up for media day in July. You know, I know Stanford's a great academic institution. He's got stuff going on up there. If you can't take half a day to come down to media day and, and talk to all the national reporters, I just don't think you're taking this seriously. So I know it's a very Stanford thing for him not to go, 
But at this point, I would think Larry Scott should step in and like, you know what? You need you need to have Bryce Love there at Pac-12 Media Day. Did you have any thoughts about that, Coach, or Keeley, too? Well, I'll give you an idea. I didn't know he wasn't there. Okay, that's how big Media Day is for the Pac-12. <laughs> so I'm glad you told me that. Uh, but you're exactly right. And, Keeley, I know you feel the same way. At least I think you would. If you have your number one product you want to sell, whether it's a car or whatever it is, you certainly want to have it in the showroom. And you want to be able to uh, have that individual or that product demonstrated and uh, talked to and front pages and everything else that you want to do. And the entire conference is pushing for the Heisman trophies to come out of the Pac-12, not just USC or Stanford, but everyone is. Because really the Pac-12 doesn't have that many candidates this year for the Heisman trophy. So why not unite and why not push the Pac-12 so that there's a possibility of someone from the Pac-12 to, again, be a Heisman Trophy winner. So I think there should be more planning and more understanding of what's going on as far as why this is big and how important it really is. And uh, I don't know if they have that real feeling. Like, you know, you saw the Southeastern Conference. They astroturfed the entire banquet room and media area so people could walk on like a plain surface. I mean, these are the type of little things that get mentioned why they uh, do it better than anybody else well to the point about Bryce Love out of all the teams that you'd think would take that seriously it would be Stanford coming off of Christian McCaffrey where everyone complained that he wasn't having enough national exposure to get the Heisman so wouldn't you want Bryce Love to learn your lesson and and have him out there from the get-go doesn't that seem like the smart thing to do yeah, if he finishes second, you have no complaints. You're like, well, you know, you didn't do everything you could to try to promote him. You didn't even yeah. bring him to media day. So, yeah. Um, oh, I agree. I agree with you guys 100%. But, yeah, you know, other people didn't. I don't know that sometimes I get a little bug up my butt about something. And I, that really bothered me. I was like, he should be here. Like, this is dumb. And I know some people felt that way. I think Shotgun agreed with us. But I talked to other national people like, oh, it's fine. And I'm like, I don't know, man. If you want to be serious, I think you have to bring your stars to media day. Josh Rosen didn't come last year. Like, yeah. that's stupid. Like, yeah. that's just dumb. Someone tweeted, apparently Stanford is on the quarter system. So they didn't even know if he actually was in school right now. Yeah. I didn't verify that because I don't know Stanford's school schedule, but it's a little suspect. Yeah. Um, no, and I commend him. I commend him, too, on coming back and playing and getting his degree. He's a smart kid. and. He'll uh, do a lot of great things, and what his study is, I think it's stem cells or something. I think it'd be absolutely fabulous. He'll save many lives, and he'll be a great doctor. But there's certain obligations you have too to the conference and the university that's paying your scholarship. And if you, even if he flew him down and turned around and flew him back, I think it's part of the showcase of what Media Day is all about. Well, we get the USC fans will get to see Bryce Love up close in person if you make the weekender trip in the second week of the season. Um, But that, you know, the season is what we want to start talking about. And fall camp starts on Friday. Coach, and it's crazy. Uh, Keith is like shaking her head like, I can't believe it's here. Um, What are you kind of looking forward to the most, Coach, uh, looking into fall camp? Well, I'm I'm looking forward to evaluating the talent. I'm big on talent and evaluating talent, as you know, and making sure the correct talent is on the field and you don't waste talent by just playing them on certain special teams or whatever. And now with this new redshirt year uh, situation, I really like it as far as the players concerned. We didn't talk about that as far as rule changes, but I think it really assists you, especially towards the end of the year. If someone goes down and you go over to a kid in the past, you'd go over to him and say, 
you got to play. We need you this week, but you're going to burn a whole year and you haven't even played. I, I think that this is great to be able to save the kid, uh, save the kid's eligibility, yet help the team. So I like that. And I'm looking forward to evaluating talent at USC. We had a chance to look at the spring talent as far as the new players coming in. And I'm looking forward now to seeing just what talent now is coming in and how they'll contribute to this year's uh, USC Trojan football team. Obviously, the Trojans have a lot of talent. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing if there is a big change in the offensive line. Sure, they've got a lot of players coming back, but are they tougher? Are they bigger? They've been beaten in every big game up front both on the offensive side and the defensive side of the line. So I want to look if it's all talk or if they really want to get after it and run through brick walls. And I think that's what the, all, the whole thing is, is are they willing now and are they tougher and do, can they achieve what they haven't been able to do before? And that stop the power type of offensive football team and run against a great defensive upfront football team. So I think this is what I'm looking for, too, to see the emphasis in practice, because if you don't do it in practice, you're not going to do it in the game. So don't BS me. If I come to practice and I see just a little bit of run game and no jumbo or big man offense, and, you know, if you're not going to do it in the game, but if you don't practice it, you're not very good at it and you don't believe in it. So those are the things I'm looking at. And, of course, the competition at quarterback. That's the yeah. That's like I love how you mentioned that just at the end. The, uh, the competition <laughs> at quarterback. Um, I I don't know. I mean, I I guess there's a couple schools of thought about the competition at quarterback where there's so much coming back. You got great receivers and running backs and veteran offensive line. Uh, you should you know a lot of people back on defense uh, should be really good, very deep. And so I think a lot of people look at it as if if the quarterback is just okay, the team should still be good. I still kind of think that USC's DNA is more about you have to have like a playmaker, a quarterback, someone that just is a star there. Or it's just isn't like the, if they don't have that, this team doesn't do all that well. Um, do you think that it doesn't really matter that much? Is like do you have, that they have to rely on a, a JT Daniels coming in, or could any you know Matt Fink, Jack Sears, anyone kind of just manage the game for this team, or do you think it's more than that? Well, when you talk about the quarterback situation, you talk about how they best utilize the three quarterbacks they have. They all have the talent. But quarterbacks are developed by teamwork. Teams develop stars. There's, you can't be a star unless the team wants you to be a star, and you utilize the roster and the players on the team. You do what the quarterback can do to help him become a star, especially if he's a, you, a young player, and all three of these quarterbacks are young players, and you don't want to... Th- just throw it out to them and, and put that much pressure on them as far as making sure that, oh, if they don't complete this pass or they do the wrong read or they throw the ball into the stands because they didn't want to force the pass, that he did something wrong. You want to make everything as positive as it can be for these young quarterbacks along the way. And I think people are talking it about it correctly as far as you, you got to play great defense. You got to play great special teams and, keep your turnovers really uh, very limited. And I think you've got to do that by being able to uh, utilize the short passing game, the seam passing game, and a lot of mismatches as far as with your receivers, big receivers on small defensive backs, and, and throw to the tight end, which USC really hasn't done a lot of and has a lot of experience at tight end, and run the football. I really think that the running backs that USC have are, 
are very good running backs as far as three running backs. And I, I don't think the cupboard's bare there. A lot of people are saying the cupboard's bare. I think Stephen Carr is one of the best running backs in the country. Malapiai and his way, the way he runs, is one of the toughest guys around. And, and uh, Cedric Ware, I thought, in the spring did a great job. But you've got to be able to have series. You've got to be able to set it up. You've got to be able to make sure that the defense knows that you're serious about running the football, and that will open up the passing game. And uh, I think uh, the whole key to a quarterback at USC being successful this year is putting them in a situation where they can be successful. And I think that's what the big challenge is. Make it easy for them to be successful. Because uh, they have uh, one of the top quarterbacks in the country. In fact, they say out of modern day, this is the best one they've ever had. And he graduated early to come and play. So obviously, to get him to graduate and come early to play, someone's told him something as far as he's good enough to play and win championships with. Now, not taking anything away from Fink and Sears, they're going to challenge him, I certainly hope, and it should be a great challenge uh, as far as who's the starting quarterback, but you better get your right one. Yeah, that's uh, so Clay Helton talked about this at Pac-12 Media Day. Um, does not want this quarterback competition to go uh, you know, past the first game. They want to know who the starter is for UNLV, so I think that makes sense, but it could be late in the process. It's probably not going to be after the first two weeks of camp. Um, so, I don't know. What do you think about Hel- Helton told me that he wants to make the decision the game week of UNLV. Okay. Which is kind of a, a late decision. Um, but Clay Helton's kind of known to make a last-minute decision. Um, but I thought it was really interesting just how he was laying the foundation of youth doesn't matter. They're all young. It doesn't matter. It, it starts from fall camp. To me, knowing Clay Helton and how he's very careful about what he says – that's laying the the groundwork for, hey, I might just name a true freshman as a starting quarterback. Yeah. So that, to me, kind of was the little signals that he's giving even before practice starts. Well, you know, when you look at uh, young quarterbacks, you know, you can win with a freshman quarterback. I mean, there's no question about that. Look what Georgia did last year. That guy was a freshman quarterback, but how do they, how do they break him in? By running the football, by having an offensive defense and run the football with an offensive line and let him come along. They went to the national championship game and lost it in the last seconds. There's a lot of other schools we can name that win with freshman quarterbacks. You just got to make sure you put them in a position that give them an opportunity to win. And if it is JT Daniels, it is. If it's Sears, it is. If it's Fink, it is. But I think that if you're waiting till the last week before the opening uh, game, then what you, what you do, and I hate to tell you this, what you have to do is give them every rep. So the team knows that he's a guy, and the other two are going to watch. And uh, I hate to tell you this, that's the way it's got to be. And also, they've got to be involved in the game, on the sideline, with headsets on. But you never know when their turn is coming. You never know that. You have to be standing around, holding their helmets, uh, uh, daydreaming, and looking at the play on the, on the board. They've got to know the play before the play goes into the game so that they can follow it and see what he is doing and if he's doing correctly as far as calling the right play and audibleizing and the reads and everything else. So they've got to be involved in the game all the time, whether they're on the field or off the field. You've got to treat them the same and saying you're one play away from playing. What, uh, one of the things that Clay Helton said um, was that he was going to script uh, fall camp and split up the reps evenly so they're all going to get first team reps and, you know, with a guy like JT Daniels, who, you know, just arrived on campus June 8th, he's only going to have a few weeks of actual practices. 
if it looks like he's the guy, I mean, he's still only going to be getting one third of the the first team reps. It's just not a lot of time for someone to kind of pick everything up. And now he's a really sharp kid and he's, you know, already knows the playbook and all that kind of stuff, but splitting the, the first team reps, I don't know what you think about that coach. Is that, is that going to make it harder for Clay Helton to, to make a decision or you think it'll be better? You can get a look at everybody. Well, you know, you've got to be fair, but then again, uh, don't think coaches don't have uh, um, a, a, a something on their minds already. They've already discussed all this, okay? It's not that we're telling uh, them something they don't already know. They they have a feeling of an evaluation on Fink and Sears. They've evaluated them in the spring. They know can we win with these guys or not and what they hope JT Daniels can do. If they don't know how good those two guys are, they'll never know. Now they have to evaluate to find out if JT Daniels is better than them. That's what the fall camp is about. As you know what your evaluation is of those two players, they've gotten better, but is JT Daniels better? And the more reps he gets, will he become better and better and better? So I think you've got to make that decision. They all have already evaluated Fink and Sears, whether they say they have, they, you know, but they're going to make it sound fair. And I think when you go along, you start to decide, two, who's number two, and that guy gets less reps, and three gets fewer reps. And that's where one of the, those people who are going to become three, you always have that problem of possibly him transferring. That's just part of it, because players don't want to wait their turn. And they don't want to be one play away. They want to play right now. But there's a, they've been evaluated. I mean, I can give you my evaluation right now, but I'm not going to. But it's not my, my term or time to do that. But they know. Now they're trying to find out if the new guy is better. That's basically what fall camp's about. Is the new guy better? And if he's better, he's better. And I think it's a simple thing when you look at that. Um, Keely, should we, uh, any thoughts or do you want to jump into some of these questions here? I guess my question is, I guess for coach Helton's whole thing about scripting it, scripting practice. Do you, is that too engineered as a coach? Would you rather see what these guys are like if you just throw them into a situation versus when they kind of know what's coming? You mean the script? Yeah. Yeah. Well, scripting is something that's become popular. Uh, they do that because uh, they have a certain defense against a certain offense and they want to be able to test certain plays and see if quarterbacks uh, can recognize it and they know what they are and they know what they should be looking for. It's easier to coach. Plus, they have the script already so that when they go in after practice, they know what the play is and they know what to look for right away. And on the defensive side, the script, uh, they, they know what to look for too. And whether it's a defensive side that they're evaluating or the offensive side, uh, you know, sometimes uh, uh, the defense wants to do something and you want to see if the offense can block it. And, and so scripting is, is something that you do in practice because it keeps it moving faster. A practice isn't like, okay, now the next play, what are we going to run? They already know what they're going to run. And they put it all together and they have it all scripted. And then they can evaluate it quicker when they go into practice because they've got them all written down and they know what play's coming next. Now, during the game, how much do they script during the game? I don't believe that. I never have believed in scripting a game because I don't know how you know what field position you have or what down-distance situation there you have. I always feel that you've got a feel of the game and, and you move the, the ball and you, what's working you do and what they can't stop you keep running. And when they stop that, then you do something that counteracts what they're doing to stop that. I don't believe in scripting a game during a game, but so many things change. And so many times defenses, you practiced all week against a certain defense, and the team comes out and they're not even running it. 
So you've got to make quick adjustments immediately, so all that scripting means nothing. So uh, that's possibly why they script a lot. I know that's why we did it. All right. Well, uh, we got a few questions, and then we'll we'll let you go, Coach. Um, you want to jump in and uh, let them know what they are, Keely? Sure. Uh, we have a question from Tarek that says, Clay Helton said at Pac-12 Media Day that a successful season means that USC is a playoff team. Should USC fans hold that standard and consider missing playoffs as a failure? You're asking me if USC is a playoff team? Sure. Or should USC fans view the season as a failure if USC doesn't make it to the playoff this season? Well, you know, every team, when they start the season, you go out thinking you want to win the Pac-12 championship first. And uh, everybody has high expectations as far as uh, whatever program you are. And some programs are realistic and some programs aren't. Uh, I think Jonathan Smith at Oregon State is just thinking about playing good football and don't get blown out and bring our program along. And there's other programs in the Pac-12 or nationally like Washington or USC and Stanford and so on that uh, they're ready to move to the next level and the next step because the expectations of the Husky fans and also the Trojan fans and other fans, Ohio State fans and Alabama and Auburn, uh, they they expect to be in the playoffs. They want to be in the playoffs. Winning the Pac-12, winning the Southeastern Conference is good. You take a team like LSU, they win football games, but they're not happy. They're not happy because they're not winning enough football games. So uh, I think the playoffs is something you shoot for, but you better take one game at a time and count them up at the end of the season because you'll get yourself bumped off somewhere, and then that'll be the end of your season, especially if you're playing against a team that doesn't have a high power rating and you get beat. So you can't overlook anybody. You can't overlook a very difficult game for the Trojans. They're going to be at Texas, not that Stanford isn't, or at Arizona. That's going to be a very difficult game. Uh, you've got to be able to look at the elements of, of, of what talent is there and what they do and how they can hurt you. But number one thing you better do is play one play at a time and one game at a time and add them up at the end. Otherwise, some team will beat you that you shouldn't have lost to. And that's where the crowd and that's where the media and that's where everybody gets upset. You beat Stanford, you beat Texas, and you lose to Washington State and you can't explain it. Because you were not ready to play, but you have better players. And I think Mike Leach is a great coach, but people can't tolerate that. And I think that's what USC is about. Yeah, agree there, coach. Uh, we'll see. I think a lot of fans, the Rose Bowl has just been such a big part of USC that if you make it to the Rose Bowl, it's not the playoff. Fans are still pretty happy with that. Um, you know, especially after like the 2016 start one and three, coming all the way back and winning all those games and winning the Rose Bowl was fine. Um, you know, replacing Sam Darnold. I think if, if USC, after replacing Sam Darnold, goes to the Rose Bowl and wins that, I think fans will be pretty happy, you know. But um, I think at some point, the, there's some expectations of to go into a playoff, but I haven't seen it too much. You know, there's some that are, but I think a lot of fans would still be pretty happy with incremental steps, I guess. No, I agree. The Rose Bowl, it used to be the Rose Bowl was where SC played one home game a year. They called the Rose Bowl their home when the Rose Bowl was the pack. 10 pack a champion played there every year against the, the big 10 and it was great it's absolutely fantastic i loved it 
But now you really don't know who's going to be in the Rose Bowl with the playoffs now. Washington, SC, as far as the media is selected, it's going to be in. And they give Washington the big edge. What is it, 37 to 2 or whatever, because they have so many returning players on the offensive side and a good defensive side of attack. But, you know, you look at it this way. I look at Washington, and I, I think the Trojans could beat Washington if they get themselves in a position and they win all along to put themselves in a championship game. They play well against Washington. I'm not sure their quarterback is as good as they say he is, and he doesn't throw well under pressure. And one thing that SC does is pressure well. So I think the key of the defense on the defensive side of the football is their corner play. Can they play man? Can they cover until the guys get to them? And if they can do that this year, they're going to be pretty good. In fact, last year, you know, they've led the conference in a lot of different things, but they've given up big plays because of their corner play. When they stun a lot and go after people, you've got to have great man coverage. And they have broken down either with a pass interference or giving up big plays and long touchdowns. They can't do that and win championships. So you've got to get some corners. And I can't believe that USC can't get corners because they recruit the top corners in the country. you just got to get them on the field, and they got to be able to run and be able to cover the great receivers. So I think the key of the defense is the corner play as far as the philosophy that Pentagrass has on the defensive side of the football. You can't play man and go after people unless you got great corner play. All right. What's the, what's the next one, Keely? Well, can I just add, uh, oh, sure. as far as the – sorry, I'm also typing this article as we are talking about um, – <laughs> Clay Helton also told me in our interview that the next step for him as a coach and for this team is making a playoff spot, um, which I thought was interesting to just go out and say that. Of course, he's going to reach for the highest, but it really seemed like that was his goal going into the season. And he said that uh, the Washington State loss on that Friday night still haunts him to this day. And he said that that's what he thinks kept them off of uh, out of playoff contention last season, which is interesting because I think Notre Dame did more that more to keep them out than Washington state. But I thought it was interesting that he says it still haunts him. So a learning lesson for sure. Yeah. Um, next question, Nick from Cypress, AKA big Nick 21 USC from the P says, coach, give me your three keys you want to see during fall camp that you think will lead to a successful season. Well, we've covered a couple of them. I think first of all, toughness, I want to see toughness in this team. I want to see more physical practices. Uh, you can't go with the idea somebody's going to get hurt. Oh, my goodness, we can't hit. Uh, you learn to play football by practicing football and playing it the way that you play it on Saturday, or at least want to play it on Saturday, and that's the speed of the game and the physical part of it. You've got the full number of scholarships now. You have some depth, and no matter what happens, you always have a chance to lose, or lose players with injuries. You, you hope it doesn't happen, but for the good of the team – You've got to take that chance. You've got to get better as a team, and you can't worry about what's going to happen. What if somebody gets hurt? That could happen at any time. So I think it. I would hope that fall camp is very physical. I hope they 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 work on drills. They they that make them physical. They they hit each other. They go live, but they make it yet competitive, where both sides of the ball have a chance to be successful. Uh, I mean, if you just do pass rush drills. And the offensive guy is just pass rushing all the time. Well, the defensive guy's got an advantage. He knows it's pass every play. Hell. So he gets off the ball, jumps. He doesn't have to look for draw. He doesn't have to look for a run. He doesn't have to look for anything. So the offensive guy really is, is at a disadvantage. 
I think you've got to mix, mix it up where the offensive guy and the defensive guy both have to play both run and pass. And, and I think you become a better football player that way. So toughness, number one, is what I think the Trojans have to come up with. So they can play, as you just mentioned, Keeley, a Notre Dame or somebody and get in there and be physical with these guys and, and get a bloody nose and don't think you're going to bleed to death, okay? You're not going to bleed to death. So I think that's something that they have to have. And then I also think they've got to, as we just discussed a moment ago, got to have corner play. You've got to decide who your corners are going to be, guys that can run. I'd rather have them be able to run and cover than be physical. I'm just telling you that. I'd rather have the guys be covered, covering the receivers outside than being a physical tackle guy. Figure out a way to get your tackles by other support means. So the corners at play, the toughness I think is very important, and then the development of the quarterback as far as doing things that they can do. Don't run a 31-flavor offense where you pick a play out of the out of the hat and you run it. Oh, I want a, I want a strawberry. I want a vanilla. I want a whatever. Hey, have a series going. Have a thought going. Uh, know what the next play is if this play doesn't work. Know your down-distance situations. Continue with the momentum. Don't have delay of game penalties after you call a timeout. Don't have a holding penalty. Eliminate the mistakes. Don't have mistakes to beat you, which are the big plays on the defensive side of the ball and stupid penalty calls on the offensive side of the ball that slow yourself or stop yourself. Don't stop yourself. Let your opponent try to stop you. I think that those things, that's what they have to accomplish. Coach, would you say that the offensive line maybe ties in with that quarterback play? Because how good can your young quarterback be if your O-line's not really performing there? Well, I tell you what, if I was one of the quarterbacks, I'd tell the offensive line, hey, guys, if you think it's easy back here, you come back here and hold the football. And I did this years ago, and you can't do this today. <laughs> I would take an offensive lineman who thought it was easy back there, and, and he just you know, didn't block his guy. And the guy, the quarterback, just got smacked and sacked. Well, I'd say, okay, if not up, the quarterback's going to be your position at tackle, and you're going to stand back here with the football. And I'd let the guy pass rush and smack that tackle, knock him down. I'd say, now, did you, did you like that? And he would look and get up with me with his helmet backwards, looking out the back end of his helmet, say, not really, coach. And I'd say, well, now you know what this guy goes through back there. So you got to block up there, and you got to be tough up there, and you got to have the pride to protect your quarterback. One breakdown on the offensive side of the football stops the whole play. You guys have got to play as a unit and understand understand your blocking rules. Understand the goals of our offense. Understand what we're trying to do. Well, we can all work together. Don't be individuals on the offensive side of the ball. On defense, you can make a mistake and make a play, and everybody think you made a great play. You did the wrong thing completely, and you can get away with it, but not on the offensive side of the ball. Well, this next question we have, I think it's for both you and Ryan, because it says, did you see it, Ryan? Yeah. It says, heard your comment on the podcast of Champions UCLA-USC preview show that you wouldn't be shocked about SC making the playoff this season. I may be crazy, but I think we're this year's Georgia team. Ultra-stout defense, playmakers on offense, just need a QB to hold it down. Feel like any of these guys can be Jake Fromm. We're in good shape. Kevin in North Tustin, which Coach already kind of talked about. Yeah, I think, I mean, real quick, Coach, I'll jump in. Um, this is a team that's talented enough to make the playoff. Like, I don't doubt that at all. My gut feeling is, I posted this on the Peristyle this morning. People were asking, they called me Abrahamson. What, <laughs> they, they like to say that. Because someone, someone on the P got mad at you and was like, hey, Abrahamson. And everyone was like, who? <laughs> they were like, he was like saying not my name, but wanted me to respond. Or, oh, whatever it was. But 
Um, you know, asking me what my thoughts are. I, you know, I do. I think this team could. They're talented enough to make the playoffs. Like JT Daniels, if he ends up stepping in, or you know, even a Matt Faker, Jack Sears. I think they're talented enough that this is a team that could do it. It's not like the Pac-12 is full of juggernauts, but you would have to beat, uh, you know, some tough teams. You'd have to beat a Notre Dame and a Texas on the road out of conference. You know, two pretty tough games, and I think you know, not having Washington and not having Oregon certainly would help, but you'd have to beat, you know, one of the top teams from the North in the Pac-12 championship game. And you might have to beat Stanford twice again, which you did last year. And you know, that's not really easy to do. It would probably likely be Washington or maybe even Oregon up there, but still it's a tall task. I think they could do it. Just my gut feeling is though, there's going to be some growing pains. There's going to be some stumbling blocks and they're just, they're going to lose a couple games that they probably shouldn't. So my feeling is they're not going to be a playoff team, but I, you know, Kevin from North Tustin. Yeah. I mean, I think they could, I mean, I think this team has enough talent that they could make the playoffs. Just my gut feeling says it's probably not going to happen. I don't know what you think coach. Well, I'm not going to tell you, but if I tell you, you're not going to go to the games or watch them. Okay. <laughs> so uh, I'm not going to tell you they're a playoff team because you've got a season ahead of you to decide whether you're a playoff team by playing the games. Uh, you never know who's going to, to win all your games. You got to be lucky as, as far as good, uh, I think luck is, is is part of the season as far as injuries and the momentum and how your team plays together as a team and and all of the above. So uh, I don't want to answer that. Uh, you hope that they're a playoff team, but uh, who knows? you got to get out there and play and, and, and play as a team and don't worry about that. Don't even talk about that. I mean, we've talked too much about it just on this show itself. you got to go out and I think you have to stay focused as a, as a coach and Maybe not even direct, uh, take any questions. I know uh, we're media, but I wouldn't ask that question. You notice that if I do stay at a, at a press conference, I never ask Coach any questions. Uh, I just listen to what he has to say. But it's very important to me that he says and covers the things he wants to cover, and I think he can't be afraid to say, I really don't want to talk about that. Because uh, kids today with social media and, and everything else look at everything and listen to everything, and we'll listen to this podcast and everything else. So I think you have to stay focused, and sometimes you might upset the media. I think in some situations, Coach Helton's a little bit too nice, but I love the guy, and I think he's a great uh, face for USC Trojan football, and I think it's important that his staff coaches their butt off for him. I really believe that. And sometimes they got to go out and be a little bit tougher and get things done for him because you can't work for a better guy than Clay Helton. And they'll find that out if they're a young coach. They'll find that out. Because you can work for a guy that, I mean, don't get me wrong, I wasn't easy to work for either. Really? Because I, I told you the great things you did, but I also pointed out the things you didn't do so well either. Because it was my responsibility as a head football coach to not just be a head football coach, but to become a good football coach and develop my assistant coaches to be good football coaches. So someday they could be in my chair and be a head football coach. And the same thing with coaching your students. It's like teaching a class. You, you want to pass them all with the grade of A. You don't want to have an A, B, C, or medium. You want to have them all have A's. And you got to demand that out of your staff. You really do. Coach, great stuff. Uh, looking forward to having you break down what you see at fall camp uh, in the coming weeks. So we'll, we'll look forward to that. Friday, the first practice, of course. Probably three practices in, they'll start putting pads on. And uh, it's unfortunately closed to the public. 
Uh, they will have Salute to Troy on August 17th, so there'll be an opportunity to go out. And if you're around and you want to check that out, it's a, usually a pretty cool event, except for that one Sark year. But most of the time, it's a pretty cool, <laughs> most of the time it's a pretty cool event down there. Uh, but, Coach, thanks again for coming on. Well, thank you. And, Keely, it's an honor to do a show with you. I, I really look – I always look forward to it, and I enjoy your interviews with Dan Weber and, and everything. And uh, you guys have a great uh, fall camp, and we'll keep in touch, and uh, we'll talk next week. Thanks, Coach. Thank you, Coach. All right. Thanks uh, to Keely. Thanks to Coach. Uh, I'm your host, Ryan Abraham. Hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the Peristyle Podcast, and we will talk to you next time. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 